Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm 5, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. Hey everyone, it's Kevin. So Kevin, today we're talking about the Spanish flu. Oh, the Spanish flu, that sounds pretty timely. It is quite topical with all the coronavirus and COVID-19 news that we're hearing right now, if you're listening, uh, when we first put this episode out. But the question that we want to ask... Yeah, it's a scary, t- it's a scary time, right? And this is, we should be learning from history. It is. Now, what was the Spanish flu and why did it kill so many people? This, yes, the Spanish flu specifically refers to the influenza pandemic of 1918, over 100 years ago, which was a serious pandemic of influenza. Uh, it lasted for a total of three years, from January 1918 all the way to December 1920. How many people were affected? Uh, estimates are about 500 million people that were infected across the world. You know, obviously numbers vary, but one generally accepted report has said that it killed 50 million people. Wow, and with a world population of maybe about 2 billion at the time, that's a lot of the percent of the world's population. Yeah, yeah, that's like 3 to 5%. Um, an exact global number is unlikely ever to be determined, but given, you know, given the lack of suitable records in much of the world at the time, but it's pretty clear that the pandemic was one of the deadliest natural disasters in human history. It killed more people in a year than AIDS has killed in 40 years. Uh, and it really surpasses like all the military deaths in World War One and World War Two combined. So it was a global epidemic, right? Why is it called then the Spanish flu? Oh, that's a really interesting. Uh, because the reason it was called the Spanish flu was actually because it broke out during World War One, okay. uh, and the warring parties you know, not wanting to acknowledge any issues that might benefit the enemy actually did a lot of suppressing uh, reporting on the flu. So it seemed like it was only coming from Spain. It was to maintain morale for the troops, right? Exactly, exactly. So in order to maintain morale, a lot of wartime censorship happened, reducing the number of reports of illness and mortality in places like Germany, Britain, France, United States. And the governments uh, did worse than just stick their head in the ground. They actually actively suppressed information that people and medical institutions could have used to realize how dangerous the situation was. Since Spain wasn't in the war, they didn't have to censor the news, and so the first reports people heard were coming from Spain, even though it was raging all across Europe. And since papers could report the epidemic's effects in neutral Spain, uh, such as the grave illness of King Alfonso VIII, uh, those are the 13th. <laughs> this situation created a false impression of Spain being especially hard hit. Uh, it also resulted in that nickname, the Spanish flu. So today everybody talks about the coronavirus or COVID-19, but there's one important distinction which is not similar to the Spanish flu in that it disproportionately killed young people, right? The Spanish flu disproportionately killed young people. Yes, that is a very important distinction. You know, often influenza outbreaks do end up killing young people or the elderly, or at least those patients who have already weakened. Uh, But this was actually not the case for the 1918 pandemic, which at least in its second deadly wave, killed mainly healthy young adults. Um, Modern research, especially using virus taken from the bodies of some frozen victims, has concluded that the virus kills through a cytokine storm, basically an overreaction of the body's immune system. And the strong immune reactions of young adults uh, ravaged the body essentially. Uh, but the weaker immune systems of children and middle-aged adults caused fewer deaths among those groups. So you mentioned that second wave and we're going to come back to that. Uh, but before, 
Do you know where the Spanish flu actually started from? You know, there are different hypotheses about the origin, uh, but there's main, three main theories being uh, either a British army base in France, uh, a part of northern China, and Kansas, actually. Kansas as in Kansas in the United States? Yep. Haskell County, Kansas. Influenza was not then a reportable disease, uh, but a local physician named Lorne Miner went to the trouble of alerting the U.S. Public Health Service. The report itself no longer exists, but it stands as the first recorded notice anywhere in the world of unusual influenza activity in the year of 1918. Uh, there's like a whole Smithsonian article on it too, which we can link, in the, link to in the show notes. So I thought China wasn't affected badly by the Spanish flu. Isn't it kind of counterintuitive then that it might have originated there? Yes, yes, yes. China, you know, experienced a relatively mild flu season in 1918 compared to other parts of the world. And this has led to speculation that the 1918 H1N1 strain of flu itself originated from China. Uh, thus, there was greater resistance among the Chinese population due to acquired immunity from previous exposure. Okay, got it. But 1918 was a, a long year, and there were two waves of the Spanish flu, right? We should cover that. Yes, yes, let's get back to that. So the second wave of the 1918 pandemic was much deadlier than the first. At the start of the year, the first wave looked like much like a typical flu season in January. Uh, those most at risk were the sick and elderly, while younger, healthier people recovered pretty easily. Uh, but by August that year, when the second wave began in France, Sierra Leone, and the United States, the virus had mutated to a much deadlier form. So October 1918 was the deadliest month of the whole pandemic episode. Why did it mutate? Well, remember, this was during World War I, right? And in civilian life, uh, natural selection favors a mild strain. So those who got very ill stayed home, and those mildly ill uh, continued with their lives, preferentially spreading the mild strain. But in the trenches, natural selection was reversed. Soldiers with a mild strain uh, stayed where they were, while the severely ill were sent on crowded trains to crowded field hospitals, spreading the deadlier virus. So one hypothesis, I guess, is that large troop movements and overall situation on not only the front lines, but also the countries as a whole during World War I were kind of ideal for an epidemic like that. And also remember the fact that penicillin hasn't yet, hadn't yet been discovered or invented. Hmm, interesting. So how did it end? So after the lethal second wave struck in late 1918, new cases dropped abruptly, almost to nothing after this peak in the second wave. One theory is that the 1918 virus mutated extremely rapidly to a less lethal strain. This is a common occurrence with deadly influenza viruses. There is a tendency for pathogenic viruses to become less lethal with time, as the hosts of more dangerous strains tend to die out. The disease also could have just killed all the easy targets and then ran out of new bodies. You know, pandemics require a certain mass of targets to maintain themselves. Uh, that's why Ebola wasn't actually that big of a threat because it killed too quickly for the disease to build up to pandemic levels. Interesting. Did you learn something new today? If you did, send us a tweet or send us an email. Uh, we'd love to hear from you if you have suggestions on future episodes. Thank you as always to the wonderful community at r slash explain like I'm five on Reddit. We will see you all next week.